Hi, everyone. I am continuing this series. Thank you for joining me again. I hope that you're enjoying me reading this book to you. It is my favorite book. It's called Into the Light. It's by Dr. John Lerma. He's a hospice doctor. Some of this material is a little bit dark, so if it's not for you, that's okay. It is not part of my regular podcast. It is a side series. I'm just reading this book out loud. It's my favorite, like I said. Uh, and I, I just want to share it with as many people as possible. So this is a wonderful avenue for me to do that. Uh, so I know that a lot of people listen to me as they're going to sleep. Uh, some people listen to me in the morning when they're getting ready for work. And, um, you know, a lot of people listen to like books on tape and audio and things like that. Um, and so I figured that if I was going to be reading it again, I would read it to you. So we are on chapter five, which is my favorite of all the chapters. And I actually got real wrapped up in this yesterday. So I decided to do two days in a row. Um, but I know that everybody's super busy. So I will do the next chapter the following Sunday. Every single one of these have been on Sundays so that people have time to have life in between them and listen to the podcast episodes regularly, of course. And I have half an hour to get each of the chapters finished before Anchor cuts me off because I'm making them commercial free so that you can concentrate on the subject matter. So feel free to fill yourself in on the previous chapters. Without further ado, this is chapter five, Angel Feathers. I had just sat down and ordered lunch at one of my favorite restaurants when my pager went off. Our new patient had just arrived. I grabbed my food and ate on the run again. Katarina, a 42-year-old Hispanic woman with two daughters, ages 14 and 16, was in the final stages of cervical cancer. This type of malignancy is always difficult to witness, but because most, if not all, cases could have been prevented with regular gynecological care. Even more difficult to understand are the reasons women give for not seeking gynecological care, including a lack of education, shyness, socioeconomic status, and poor access to medical care. To die these days from a potentially curable disease is beyond comprehension. The cases are often identical. Young women in the prime of their lives, often beautiful, but their bodies are swollen and full of fluid from undiagnosed and untreated cancers. Their bodies have turned into their enemies. It's a slow and painful process, and because it usually does not involve the brain, patients are intensely aware of everything that happens. This case seemed particularly sad to me. Katerina was a former lounge singer with a history of drug use and high-risk behavior stemming from sexual abuse early in her life. However, just two years earlier, with her life going nowhere and her daughters begging her to change, she decided to give herself back to God. As the lead vocalist in a prominent evangelical choir, Katerina's beautiful voice and songs inspired many to return to God. She witnessed trials and tribulations around her and devoted the majority of her time to helping others who were still in the midst of their addictions and abuses. During this time, the biggest trial of her life was about to present itself in the form of terminal cancer. When I met her for the first time, I was struck by her ethereal beauty and the way she was trying so hard to maintain her dignity. She was dressed in a lovely gown and wearing makeup and her long shiny black hair was brushed back and neatly braided but she couldn't hide her distended abdomen and hugely swollen legs. Her skin stretched so tight it leaked fluid constantly. Her mother and daughters were with her, looking frightened, aware that the transfer to inpatient hospice unit meant that Katerina was close to death. Her mom, Maria, and dad, Joseph, were very spiritual and devout Catholics from Monterey, Mexico, with a strong marriage of more than 50 years. 
her brothers and sisters were equally spiritual and had not followed the same hard road Katerina had chosen. The day we admitted her, Katerina was alert but bedbound, and we spent a great deal of time talking. I wanted to make her feel comfortable in every way possible, medically and emotionally. Our connection grew rapidly, and she began sharing her fears of dying and her regrets in life. With her voice quivering, she asked only one question. Dr. Lerma, how long do I have to live? I told her that because the fluid in her lungs was worsening and because she had not been able to eat in four or five days as a result of her intestinal obstruction, her short-term prognosis was grim, but seven to ten days. She cried inconsolably and said that she was not ready to die. She clung to me and spent most of the afternoon comfort. I spent most of the afternoon comforting and reassuring her and her mom. Her daughters could not handle the intense emotion, so I had the social worker provide some counseling. Recalling my own reaction to my father's terminal illness, I was able to empathize and understand Katerina and her family's plan. To lighten the mood, I told her some of my patient's angelic stories and asked her if she'd seen any angels yet. That triggered something in her that initiated the recounting of her life story. I listened and empathized with her in the seeming injustice of it all especially after she'd made such great changes in her life. A few months prior to her diagnosis, Katerina had moved to Houston and was working singing for God, as she called it. At that time, she began to experience severe lower abdominal pains, and eventually she went to emergency room to be examined. With her limited English, no insurance, and her history of drug use, doctors quickly labeled her as a drug seeker and discharged her with a simple diagnosis of premenstrual pain. A few weeks later, she started bleeding vaginally, and repeated visits to the emergency room resulted in a diagnosis of dysmenorrhea. Upon discharge, she was told to use Tylenol for her pain. Feeling desperate and abandoned and in excruciating pain, she resorted to using street morphine or heroin for her pain. Katerina felt that she had no other choice because the medical community did not help her. She was being drawn back to her old life, but she fought it desperately because she did not want to fail God and her family. As the pain worsened, so did her use of street opiates. With her pain better controlled with the morphine and heroin, Katerina felt that she was improving. However, this couldn't be further from the truth as her cancer was now beyond cure. Katerina told me about a dream that she'd had only days before her diagnosis, where the Archangel Gabriel boldly stated, you have been chosen. The events in your life are transpiring to perfection and will ultimately help many souls find their way back to God. She understood that this message was not the drugs or the disease speaking, and with further words, she accepted that this calling would help her, her family, and the world. The Archangel Michael unfolded the entire plan and reassured her that God and the angels would be with her, and were now going to allow her diagnosis to be made so that she could have adequate comfort from her pain. Two days later, with her pain and bleeding escalating, she went to another emergency room. After reviewing her medical records, the doctors once again thought that she was drug-seeking and refused to treat her. Crying as she left the emergency room, she ran into a physician and stopped to find out what was wrong. Noticing her broken English, she spoke to her in Spanish, asking her, what's wrong? With those words of compassion, Katerina hugged him and said, it's me. Please help me. She was unaware that she was talking with a doctor, an obstetrician, and a gynecologist on staff at the hospital. She told him she was bleeding and that the emergency doctors didn't want to do anything for her. Perhaps inspired by her angel or perhaps just feeling empathetic that evening, he took pity on her and walked her back to the hospital where he found that she was extremely anemic. 
He admitted Katerina to the gynecological floor where he ordered blood work and a CT scan for her abdomen and pelvis. The results prompted a biopsy of her cervix. Frozen sections and results from her tumor markers and scans revealed advanced cervical cancer with a mastasis throughout her abdomen and lungs with obstruction of the lymph system to her lower extremities. An oncologist immediately evaluated Katerina and began chemotherapy and radiation treatments, as well as pain control. It was just as the angel had said. She got help with the pain, but was left with a terminal diagnosis. At the start of her chemotherapy, her angel Michael appeared and explained that he was sending a different angel every night to comfort and remind her that she would not be abandoned by God. That evening, a large, translucent, white-robed angel appeared and just stood to the right of her bed in a shielding and comforting stance. A different angel appeared every night thereafter to comfort her, and always in the same place. She was unclear why they chose to appear to her right, but felt that it was protective in nature. Curious, I asked her to describe the angel's appearances. She said their faces were brilliant and their long blonde and brown silky hair blended with their feathers and long flowing robes. The angel stayed for about four, five, ten minutes every night to console her. Yet she would cry and beg not to depart. It was at those times of despair that she felt abandoned by God. She kept asking, how could God do this to me right after I gave my life back to him? I'm so angry at him. One of the angels told her that it was fine to act that way and to feel like she was feeling. And This showed God that she loved and acknowledged him. All God really wants for us to acknowledge and have a, all God really wants is for us to acknowledge and have a relationship with him. The angel commented that God fully understands our pain and suffering and despair, as well as the difficulty of the purpose, because he lives within us and experiences it with us. In addition to being consoled, Katerina was told that the miracle of life and its answers are within our reach. Within the first day of her admission to hospice, Katerina's agonizing pain was under control. This gave her the needed space to begin the process of closure. Per Katerina's request, her family gathered together to discuss her wishes before dying. With her parents and sisters present around her bed, I asked Katerina who she wanted to care for her children. She said that the angel told her that her sister Maria had the time and spiritual desire to foster the mission in life. Katerina knew that this was the right choice because her children had always been drawn to Maria's motherly love. At that moment, Maria told Katerina that she would see it as an honor to care for them, especially after a recent dream that she'd had in which several beautiful white glowing angels expressed the same desire. Katerina was elated that her vision was confirmed. Her most weighing concern was lifted and Katerina was enveloped by the total tranquility. Katerina continued to describe the angel's prophetic visions. She said that the next vision was projected on the forward wall of the room as if it were a motion picture. She saw her daughters growing up to help other people and carry on an incredible legacy for the family of healing through music and, and though witnessing, and through witnessing. Katerina was also able to see herself communing with Jesus and agreeing to her life's direction. She saw what she had agreed to was much greater than suffering that she would experience. Katerina smiled and said that she was able to remember the conversation and finally understood the significance of her life in relation to God's plan. She said that we will all be reminded of our choices to help fulfill God's plan. She now discussed suffering as the angels revealed to her. We all suffer in some form or fashion, and our suffering is part of nature, but joy is also present, and that is what suffering builds itself into, which is joy.
she had a sense of she had a sense that was that what she was doing was not just for her family or herself but for the whole world completely filled with sorrow everyone in her room began to weep Katarina's mother was crying but was joyful and was able to release her daughter to God Katarina also accepted her death and this was incredible as she had persistently denied that she was dying even while having visions of magnificent spiritual beings I asked her what truly changed her mind and she replied that it was simply knowing that her children would be loved and cared for by her sister the same as she would care for them four days before her death at around one in the morning katarina woke her mother and whispered that a new magnificent angel large and brilliantly blue with white wings had appeared her mother said i saw my daughter focus on the right side of her bed smiling and lifting her hands up as she began a voiceless conversation into space I could see her mouth moving, but I could hear no sound, and I could hear her head and eyes were shifting back and forth as though she was watching a moving object. Her mom kept observing her and trying to read her lips. Suddenly, it was as if the volume had turned up and she could hear her daughter's voice. She heard her say in Spanish, okay, just give me something to let me know that you're coming back. Then Katerina nodded, reached up, clasped her hand into a fist, and brought it to her bosom and smiled, thank you, thank you. Her mom heard that but was not sure of what was transpiring. Katerina said, Mom, do you want to look at what I have, what the angel gave to me? Her mother said, of course, love. What do you have? Katerina said softly, the angel was here, and I grabbed one of her feathers. She slowly opened her palm, and there was this perfectly shaped, white, fluffy feather in her hand about six inches long. She knew I would be excited about this, so she eagerly waited to show me the feather. Her mother put the feather in a plastic bag and Katerina told her to give it to me in gratitude for the loving care I provided to her family and to her. I didn't feel I could accept such a gift, but I also didn't want to offend her. At that moment, I was paged to see a new patient, so I left telling her that we could discuss it another day. A couple of days later, Katerina pleaded that I take the feather as a gift from her and God. How could I refuse? I told her I would always cherish it and hope that its story would help comfort my other patients. Katerina smiled and said that it was a wonderful plan. When her mother removed the little plastic bag with a feather safely protected in it, she was shocked to find that it had shrunk to less than one inch, about the size of a pillow feather. Interestingly, most, of, most if not all, acute care facilities, including our facility, had strict regulations in place that prevented the use of feather pillows, due in part to the high incidence of allergic reactions. Most, if not all, pillows are filled with varying types of foam and securely covered with a soft plastic material. I checked all the pillows in Katerina's room and all were soft foam and her mother denied bringing any pillows from home. We were all stunned. Her mother said, Dr. Lerma, you saw the feather two days ago. Was it not close to six inches? Katerina's mother continued, well, I think this feather is shrinking. Do you think that it's meant to disappear? Please, Dr. Lerma, keep it and let me know if it does. People will still believe it if you tell them the story. You're a doctor, after all. I agreed, and with the feather still in the bag, I locked it in my desk drawer. When I shared the story with a nurse at our facility, she recounted a similar story that she'd heard from our janitor, Jeffrey, early the, earlier that day. I called him and asked him to repeat the story he had told the nurse. He began, Dr. Lerma, remember Mr. Willie, the nice man across the hall from Katerina? Just the other day, while I was cleaning his room, I heard the patient talking in his sleep and saying that an angel had given him a feather to remind him that the angels are always with him. I noticed a large feather lying on the floor. 
I was amazed and I wondered if this feather was truly an angel feather. It was quite beautiful, white and pretty large. It must have been around eight to 10 inches. I know feathered pillows are not allowed in our hospice. and I thought that it was from a home pillow or something that somebody brought to him. Well, he had no family members or personal pillows, so I picked it up and I put it on the bedside table under the edge of a flower vase so it wouldn't blow away. The next day, I noticed that it looked considerably smaller, but I wasn't sure. Then today, the patient died, and when I went to clean the room, I noticed that the feather was gone. That is when I spoke with the nurse and asked if she had seen it or thrown it away. She said that she remembered seeing it yesterday, but today it was gone. Dr. Lerm, I'm not sure what happened to it, but I had my suspicions. It was meant to disappear. I could not believe the similarities. Maybe Katrina's, Katarina's mother was right when she said that the feather might disappear. I quickly went to see if Katarina's feather was in my desk drawer, and sure enough, it was there, and it was still the same size it was when I received it. The next day, Katarina died peacefully with her children, sisters, and mother present. They were clearly sad, but filled with the angelic experiences that gave them total peace. Wondering if their feather had disappeared, as Mr. Willie's had, I went to my office to check on the feather. When I unlocked the drawer and I removed the bag, I immediately noticed that the feather was not in the bag. I looked all around and couldn't find it. The feather had indeed disappeared. I was the only one with a key to my desk, and I had told no one that I'd placed it in there. And at that moment, I had called. I had recalled that Katarina had asked for it and needed it as a reminder that the angels would return to take her to heaven. She no longer needed the feather as a reminder. She was on the white feathered wings of her angel at last. The feather had served its purpose and now become entwined in faith. I smiled and wondered if anyone would ever believe such a fantastic tale. All that truly mattered was that Katerina finally knew the universal truth. The doctor's notes and more. Katerina's mother and daughters were greatly comforted by the feather in the days prior to her death. It was a symbol that somehow confirmed for them that Katerina had truly changed her life and was truly helping others. Katerina had finally come to that realization too, and perhaps that's why her family could finally accept it. Katerina and I had so many conversations about what the angels were teaching her. The angels told Katerina not to feel guilty for the things that she saw or the mistakes. There were no mistakes. She chose her life path and understood that it was for a greater purpose. Close to the end of her life, the angels brought her visions to comfort and teach her. They showed her the greater purpose in her suffering, not just during her illness, but throughout her life. They explained how the life that she had led gave her great compassion and understanding for others with addictions and weaknesses. She came to accept that her addictions were part of her lessons, which led to self-forgiveness, self-love, and peace. She understood that when God gives us big challenges, he also gives us gifts to comfort us. She had been given her singing voice, which brought great comfort and hope to many others who had experienced similar lives with addictions and illnesses. About her music, she said, the singing talent was a gift from God and was something no one could ever take away from me. I was writing incredible songs about God, and because of my gift, many people returned to their faith. I realized that I never left God, even when I was at my lowest point. I needed to go through my challenges so I could teach myself and ultimately others that they can do it too. I was told by the angels that I'm an older soul, and I chose to come here and lead the others to their missions. I was shown how many kids will also be a part of the music ministry. They have a mission that my life has contributed to. She understood her life in a completely different way, and she accepted it all. She said that the angels also met her in reality and showed her beautiful things that brought her joy and comfort. 
They sang her favorite songs and invited her to sing with them. Sometimes she would be lying in the bed singing in angelic tones, which sent out a peace that was palpable to everybody present. Katerina loved the beach and water in general, and angels understood that this was familiar to her, so they let her swim in her favorite beaches and bask in the sun to give her reprieve from the pain. She said these dreamlike but vivid experiences created an overwhelming sense of peace that engulfed her essence. The angels also allowed her to continue experiencing her children's love and be involved in their emotional and spiritual growth. I asked her, how do we finally let go of our most precious loved ones? The angels show us just enough of heaven, our true home, if you will to remind us that this place, all is possible with Christ's love. There's unimaginable joy and we are drawn to it. It is through joy that we can create changes in our lives and in the world and help those loved ones back on earth. So I asked her, why is heaven so familiar to us? And she said, because the Bible says, when we accept God, we also accept his kingdom. Heaven is to penetrate every fiber of our being. God understands our individual perceptions of heaven and reflects them back to us. And this results in comfort, peace, joy, and unconditional love. When we are joyous, that is heaven here on earth. Katerina spoke of the chance God gives all of us on our deathbed to bring about generational healing. For her, she was able to heal unresolved issues that her and her grandparents had before they died. Without this healing, neither party can move forward to experience God's total forgiveness and love. It is vital to clear up as many issues here on earth before being called to our home with God. Katerina finally let go of all of the suffering and, and doubt. And even though her body was experiencing it, her spirit was not as she was, often detached from her body. Roughly three to five days before anyone dies, angels and deceased loved ones are present almost 24 hours a day. During this time, angels are aiding family members in obtaining their closure. Most often, the patient has already had his or her life review and has negotiated through unconditional love to stay in his or her body until family and friends attain peace. The sooner the family members release their fears, pathological attachments to the dying, anger, hatred, and so forth, the sooner their loved one will pass to the heavenly realm. Most patients who linger for weeks are often being kept on the earthly plane due to someone else's selfish reasons or rarely a patient's own deep-rooted and unresolved darkness. The latter issue is very difficult to watch and is an issue that will be carried on to the next world. Prayer for these patients is most effective. The bottom line is that all about our free, it's all about our free will. Katerina emphasized that I tell everyone not to wait to work your issues out until you're on your deathbed. This is too overwhelming. The key is now. The key is today. Develop true understanding of who you are, your weaknesses, and your strengths. Then just love yourself for who you were made perfect. Most people in the world do not love themselves because they always want to be somebody else. This is the root of all evil. If one cannot love oneself, how can he or she love others? That's why the divorce rate in the United States is higher than 60%. There's no true love for the spouse, bigotry, hatred, discrimination, racial profiling, religious wars, fear. All of these are a result of non-existent self-love. The angels told Katerina that there are very holy people on the earth that are born specifically to be examples of love. Gandhi, Pope John Paul II, Mother Teresa, the Dalai Lama, and even some of our parents have been married for years and are examples of true self-love. One does not need to get it to be perfect. All one has to do is to stay balanced. Stay away from both extremes as this is a recipe for failure. Both being too religious creates ironically fear and judgment. We have a dark side and we all have a light side. 
attempt to achieve balance and strive to become as fluid as Christ with regard to the entire continuum of experiences. He would help people on both ends of the social spectrum from prostitutes to religious leaders, including Pharisees. This takes a lot of work. The angel said it can be done, but only with the help of God. So Katerina said, love yourself and forgive yourself then try to love and forgive others. One will see that it will get easier. Christ died for us because he knew that we were going to continually sin and this gave us an infinite number of chances to at least understand the concept. Remember though, Katerina said, one never knows the time God will call us to leave this world. So just try to be kind to oneself and others and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior. You won't be disappointed, Katerina said. I asked her about her life review and she said, John, you wouldn't understand it. You only understand your own. There's no language for it. Even if I tried to tell you, I couldn't express it. It's all spoken in feelings. I started asking some basic questions, but she didn't like that. She preferred to tell me things as she felt them. She said that every patient has an angel or many angels that they say will all see their deceased loved ones and that they will all see their deceased loved ones. They will all understand their purpose and their life's choices before they go. What Katerina said was somewhat challenging to my belief systems but something resonated with me, so I thought it was important to share it. She said, we choose our lives, but we don't choose. We choose our lives, but we don't remember that choice. When the angels show us our life, they give us back the memory of that choice, and then they show us our truth. Nothing is forced on us. We're all working together. We're all part of the consciousness of the whole world. We're growing as a group. If some of us get sick, every human being is emotionally affected, even if they don't realize it. For instance, when some of us choose the dark side, others have to take on an incredible energy of that darkness and defeat it so we can restore balance. It can come to you in many ways, emotionally, spiritually, and sometimes through physical illness. It was shown that even the cancer cells are still of God. By choosing to take on another person's darkness, I accelerate my cell growth so fast that I got cancer. I answered her, did you get to see the positive effects that resulted from your cancer and suffering? And she said, yes. And it mainly affected the direction of her children's path. The bereavement team followed Katerina's family for about one year and was able to see how the family was growing and coping. Her daughters were living with Maria and her husband as had been decided. They attend church, sing with the choir and give testimony about their mom and great emotional healing has occurred for the family as well as for others who hear Katerina's story. They help people understand that no matter what extremes they have gone in in their lives, there's always a way back to God in their center. Katerina's message of unconditional love had indeed infected their family and others as she had hoped. For me, I now understand that everything has its purpose. Through my work at hospice, I have given up judging the choices others make. We are all really the same, no matter how good or bad we think we are. Once again, the lessons learned from those who are exiting this life are profound. And I have to keep expanding as I'm presenting with new information. I am humbled and gratified to be exposed to such wisdom. And I never lack for new things to ponder and ponder about. I am glad I chose this path and I'm glad I now understand and know that I made that choice with God's direction. Right under the 30 minute mark, that was the close of chapter five. And I will see you next Sunday with chapter six entitled Deep Remorse. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful morning, afternoon, and good night.